Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Britton. Yeah. Sorry, sorry guys. I just um I'm I'm just I'm just not feeling it today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know I don't know what it is. The the podcast chlorians maybe just aren't aren't swimming around in me. I don't like can we start over? <laughs> I mean, we can start over, but I'm still putting this in the, <laughs> the episode, so. Yeah, what a way to to begin our episode on Fantastic Four. <laughs> in, a, in a way, they really are getting cosmic midichlorians. So. Yeah, technically. Come on. And the movie is raunchy, so. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let's go with that. <laughs> I feel like Raunchy is giving it too much credit. <laughs> That's probably true. Crude? I don't know. We are talking about Fantastic Four from 2005. Uh, Not to be and... confused with the Fantastic Four or Fan Four Stick. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a movie. Um, and I think we came into this from a very weird place. If you've listened to last week's episode, obviously we did the uh, unreleased Roger Corman Um version of the fantastic four from 1994 and we actually liked that quite a bit uh Relative. all things considered yeah, we liked yeah. it quite a bit the vacuum um, and i think you know just based on the early talks before we start recording i don't think any of us hated this i don't hate it no I've, i'd never seen it actually this was my this was my first viewing and i i really my expectations were like underground they were so low mm-hmm. and so it definitely had some room to impress me but also yeah i i, I don't hate it <laughs> i feel like i have more criticisms than praise to give but still yeah uh i can go ahead and give the scores uh fantastic four directed by tim story from 2005 um it has a 28% critic score <laughs> jeez which I know I said the 1994 one had like six reviews or whatever. It had a 27%. Wow. Sure. Um, and this one has a, a 45% audience score. Also, I think BVS and Suicide Squad are right below this. And this this is much better than either of those. Yeah. Well, the critics yeah. were, they, they just, they were all hot over Kingdom of Heaven. You know, they just wanted to watch you know. Crash some more. That's probably true. They were too busy going, no, Revenge of the Sith, it's the dark one. You don't understand. It's the dark one. This this one's grounded. (laughs) They're just, the the, the time scale, the, not the time scale, the the grading scale had to be raised for superhero movies because at that point they were like, yeah, X-Men 2000, it's fantastic. It's very good. Just like one of the best movies ever made for superheroes. So like, that's, that's their grade and they're like, Judging off that, and then as as we move along, we kind of increasingly... I don't even know if that, like, tracks as to why they would rate it worse at the time. But, like, you I don't know. S- You saying X-Men 2000 just implanted the thought of Surge, the drink, in my brain? <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't explain it, but I know it's right. <laughs> I know that's what was supposed to... It was, like, thought association. <laughs> I just went, oh, Surge! <laughs> checks. It checks out. <laughs> Um, yeah. What do you guys think? Do you think the MCU is just going to call their movie the Fantastic Four? Or do you think they're going to go with like Fantastic Four Rise of the whatever? Or 
fantastic colon four. That would be good. <laughs> or four colon fantastic. Or fantastic four colon five because it is the fifth released. Uh, yeah. Or the not uh, the the fifth created. Yeah. Uh, many options really. Yeah. Fantastic dot 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 four. <laughs> fantastic for you. Yeah. <laughs> From Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Britain, yes. it's that time. Hey. What what is this movie oh, about? Oh man! It, yep, the old clock on the wall says it's time to tell you <laughs> that the Fantastic Four synopsis reads thus: Scientist Reed Richards persuades his arrogant former classmate Victor Von Doom to fund his experiments with cosmic energy. On Von Doom's space station, the crew, including astronaut Ben Grimm, researcher and girl Sue Storm, and pilot Johnny Storm. <laughs> Uh, are exposed to a mysterious cosmic storm that bestow superpowers upon them. As they cope with their transformations, Von Doom vows his revenge. Not inaccurate. This is when I learned that she's a researcher. Sure. There you go. I I think they... They say she's like head head of research. Probably. I didn't. I, I believe I alluded to. Well, we, you know, we talked about it last week. That I watched twenty-seven minutes of this movie for last week's podcast. Sure. So you missed the yeah. Any all that exposition is out right. Out the, I will also say window. I think I got the worst stuff of the movie out of the way really early. I would agree. <laughs> I think this is weirdly a movie that like gets better. And maybe this is a good jumping-off point for talking about it. I think this is a movie that gets better as it goes along to some extent. Uh, as they kind of get it get stuff out of the way so that they can start to you know focus more on like what are they actually doing with the characters yeah um but i think the movie does a big misstep in that it 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 feels like <clears throat> it is doing sort of what uh the batman did where it's kind of like all right we're we're knocking through you know the stuff all the stuff you know about batman like yeah. we're, we're getting all that out of the way but it's doing it for fantastic four in 2005 when the only real like non comics touchstone would have been the unreleased movie that got passed around at comic book conventions. <laughs> like I don't yeah. I don't understand why this movie starts off like being so fast and loose. It's just like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, we got Doom, we got Reed Richards, we you know, they're they're all hanging out. They're, they're this is what's happening. And not like taking a minute to be like Oh, we kind of have to explain this all for you because this is the first time we're doing anything with these characters in a, yeah. in a blockbuster movie. Uh, and so I, I feel like it really, especially if you had no context for the characters going into it, you'd really just be like, what? Yeah. Well, huh? I, I felt like this movie throughout... I, th- this movie is very clunky for me. Mm-hmm. It, it felt... It, and, and I and I talked about this last, last week that I don't have a deep, you know relationship with these characters and so i kind of eventually just have to look at this as a movie and not as like an adaptation of the fantastic four Mm. but i it is it at the same time all of the like major beats you can tell that whenever the movie is like all right we have to hear it we we got to get them their superhero names we got to give them their powers we got to get the catchphrases it's really clumsy every time it wants to do one of those things i think it comes alive pretty well in the bits that are just supposed to be funny or or uh uh, some a lot of the stuff with the thing i think works pretty well Mm mm-hmm but it's whenever we need to do we we are now shifting from the a 
point to the B point, it's really like, I don't know, there's an action figure that says clobber in time. Yeah. Okay, just go. And it, it we, we can talk about when they all use their powers to save a bunch of firefighters, because that's a whole conversation uh, that I think both is a, a section that is, is a microcosm of what does and doesn't work about the movie hmm. for me. Um, but yeah, it, it, it really would consistently just get very clunky and stumble in a way that I was like, I don't know why that's why, I don't know why that is how we're doing, how, how we're meeting this goal. Um, it, it feels, it feels very forced and like they went, I don't know, we gotta, we gotta get a team name, I guess. Chris Evans just comes up with all of it on the news. Sure. Which is fine. I mean, there's, there's worse, but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to worse. I um, <laughs> I, uh, I agree. I think something that I feel like becomes really obvious if you read a lot of Marvel comics is that anytime a writer gets their hands on the fantastic four, they have to knock out like things saying it's, it's clobbering time. Um, I think really it is the thing that like gets a lot of the key, like, Oh, well we have to say it every time we have to do something with it. Somehow we gotta, we gotta, you know, touch on it. Um, which is a shame because he is really a kind of, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say, I think he's the character that is kind of done the best by this movie actually. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think he really is a character that has a lot more to him than people realize. Um, something that I think, but like, I feel like a lot of the other characters, the other three characters are, they feel like Stanley creations. They feel like, you know, uh, this guy can stretch woman who can turn invisible guy who can turn on fire like that that kind of feels like the kind of the kind of ideas stanley would throw out there uh i've always felt like the thing is very near and dear to jack kirby's heart uh, as the artist the original artist of the fantastic four because he's like a he's like he's a rock man jack kirby <laughs> likes drawing big monsters and like jack kirby does a lot of things with like people with masks and like beauty that's actually terrible and like like the his i believe his interpretation of doom is that doom's face is actually fine and doom just like has this obsession with his own sort of narcissism that makes him feel like he has been horribly disfigured or something and so that's why he wears the mask like that's the whole thing he does and like i was just reading some internals comics the other day where like uh the jack kirby's original internals around that he like wrote andrew uh he has characters introduced that are like one guy is a deviant who looks like a perfect, beautiful man, but he's actually a horrible killer. And then there's this other giant monster man. Who's actually like a, a gentle giant who likes reading and things. Um, so I, I feel like the thing sticks out. He's a character that you have to really get and understand in order to do him right, because he's, he's got a lot of depth to him. And I think the movie actually does a good job kind of bringing that out. Uh, it does get to like, the uh alicia storyline where you know he's she's kind of seeing the beauty that's really inside him i don't think they really how far along did they actually get in the movie with that i mean she's in two scenes more in the next movie that it really starts to get into yeah she's in two scenes and they're dating in the second one so there is there is uh some deleted material that makes sense with with the two Um, of them i I can get into that in a little bit sure but yeah but as it stands she has the scene where she meets him in the bar and then they're just dating at the end when they have the the yacht party. Sure. But the he and it has that, um, you know, it has his his fiance 
kind of realizing that uh, fiance or wife? I think it's supposed to be fiance at the beginning. Fiance, because uh, because she, she drops her engagement ring. Yeah. Deb and or what's her name from The Walking Dead? Yeah, Lori Holden. Uh, yes. Oh, is that who that was? Yes. Okay, I thought I recognized her from somewhere. Um, Angela. Andrea. Andrea. Close enough. <laughs> I say that's pretty good. I haven't watched that show in a long time. Um, they have, uh, you know, she runs away from him. Even after he's like saved uh, a truck of firefighters, she still can't handle how he looks now. Um, and I think I mentioned this last episode, like the stuff with him getting cured and then that always relapses somehow. That's very thing especially the early thing his storylines always kind of revolve around that um and so having him be cured by doom and then re becoming this this horrible rock guy uh that that all tracks pretty well for me um and and so that he can go save the day at the end i think that all works really well and i think the movie kind of gets a good handle on him overall and that's probably like my best thing overall about this movie is that like I think they're doing pretty good justice. My one my one major quibble is that he needs a big he needs a big unibrow. <laughs> he needs a big rock, like a big rectangle on his face. They they you can tell they've sort of half done it. Uh they yeah. they've thought about it a little bit, but they're like, ah, eh, that would look too silly. But I think especially if you see him in profile, his forehead just looks very smooth and like that get that really does give his design some texture. That's how he was is generally always drawn. So, some artists draw him like it looks like he has a big like rock beret that <laughs> kind of like sits on his head. That's which is not necessarily what I'm going for, but there's usually like some sort of uh, extra texture and definition uh, to make him really like stand out and look a little bit different. And maybe that would be very difficult to do with a prosthetic, but the suit looks fantastic. It's the effect is great. Yeah, it's very, very good. Um, Michael Chiklis. Yeah. Yeah. Say that right. Uh, he's really good. Very I think good. I think he's like perfect for the role, um, and I wish that like he wasn't wasted on <laughs> these these movies, right. and that like he was still that age now and could sure, sure. just come right back in. Um, because I think I think he does a great job. Just the scene of him going to pick up the ring, and he mm-hmm. yeah physically <clears throat> cannot do it, and so that's Reed, very that, that's Reed quite effective. Up. Yeah, that's. That that genuinely gets me. Like every yes. every time I watch this, I'm like, that this this is a stupid movie. This should not be affecting me like it is. <laughs> yes. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Tyler. It, it the toy that Johnny holds up and and it, it's clobber yes. in time. It has the the yes. eyebrow. It right? looks like an action. It looks like they probably just had a Fantastic Four action figure yeah. on set, and we're like, yeah, we'll use this. <laughs> like I, it, I it do, looks like a comic book adaptation. I love Johnny's reaction because that was the prototype. <laughs> Yeah, I I really liked Chickless in this. I and I thought that um, I also thought the makeup looks great. This is this movie exists. It was made in a weird time where like we were digital effects were really coming mm-hmm. along, but a lot of the directors and a lot of the impulses were still to do things practically. So, and admittedly, this movie did come out two years after Return of the King. And Lord of the Rings, I think, is still probably my gold standard for blending of practical mm-hmm. and digital effects. Like it's. So much of those movies is physical, but there's also a lot of great digital stuff. But I, maybe this is more nostalgia than anything. I liked how physical the movie is. There's obviously a lot of digital effects, but mm-hmm. yeah, I liked that the thing is in a suit, and I liked that Doom is in a suit at the end. Mm-hmm. Like I liked that 
I like that they were on sets, clearly, or like on a location, and that it wasn't all green screen silliness. Like, yeah. I, I thought that was really nice to see, and I and I, I appreciated seeing the thing in the Corman version because it was like, oh man, early '90s crazy mm. lit turtle thing. That's that's great. And this, I'm like, that's a really good bit of prosthetic. It's a, it's a, it's really good makeup. And honestly, I like the digital effects in this. I really don't think they've aged all that no, terribly. They hold up pretty well. And when and where they like, don't hold up, I'm like, well, yeah, it was seven, right, eighteen years ago. No, like, that's if I'm if I'm calculating, like if I'm thinking, like this is literally, yeah, eighteen eighteen years ago. Oh God, um, <laughs> like <laughs> if I'm if I'm adjusting for that, then I'm like, yeah, that that really like that could look a lot worse. Sure, yeah. <laughs> that can look a lot worse. I like, love, even yeah. Oh, go ahead. I just I love the shot of when they're fighting Doom, and I, again, I got a lot of stuff to say about that last fight. When they rip off the thing, rips off the the fire hydrant, and then he steps on the water to spray mm-hmm. it towards <laughs> Reed, and Reed just twists himself into like a slide and shoots. Reed's the, like, he's, I am also helping. Don't look to, too closely at this. Yeah, to channel the water to hit Doom. I was like, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a, and also it's like a fun way to use the stretchy thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Britain, it's funny that you were thinking of Lord of the Rings. Um, cause I was actually thinking of, uh, the angry Hulk movie from mm. 2003. I was mm. like, they probably looked at that and said, we're putting chickless in a suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not playing around here. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm, but, I, I hope the MCU just gives them a suit. I, but that having said yeah. that, I, I'm sure that there are a lot of actors who have done those kinds of roles who I imagine they get a lot out of having the physical prosthetic and everything. But also, it's probably a lot easier to just put mm-hmm. some dots on your face and not have to sit in a makeup chair for twelve hours, and then have to sit in that thing for sixteen hours. Like it's probably so. yeah, and and the MCU now can get a lot closer to that. You know, when you look at like the Hulk, right, right. At least right. at least when we're talking about having the budget for you know the Avengers movies. Like, sure, I'm just saying I when I would rather see Cole Sprouse run around in a right. big rock costume, and not a bunch of dots on his head. Mm-hmm. Not 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 to leak any casting info. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, I heard Cole Sprouse was going to play Doom. Now that, so. <laughs> but he's he's still got the little douchey hat from yes. Riverdale. <laughs> It'd be good. Um, it's an origin story, exactly. But no, all all this to say, in in many ways, the the thing almost feels like the main character of the movie at times because mm-hmm. he is the one that has an arc. Um. I, I kind of wish that the focus of the movie was just him and Johnny and that everyone else was just in the background. I mean, it's it, almost how it, comes it feels like it, certainly, <laughs> which and, and I think that is also just about ma- who who is given more sort of colorful material. But like, yeah, yeah. I, the 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 bit with the ring is very touching, but it's also weird to me. And again, this is the, in a different movie. I wouldn't pay attention to it. But that she gets, he freaks out Lori Holden, who, first of all, runs down to the street in her nighty and yes. bare feet, whatever. I know what kind of movie this is. <laughs> and then she's like. It's, it's weird. It's like, just, just can she just have a robe? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Just put like, a robe why? Like, You don't even have to like. Yeah, come on. I don't know. It's weird. She runs down there and she's scared. Like, it, it's very distracting. I want to, I want to stick on this for a second because it's very distracting because it's like a crowded <laughs> New York City block at like. What seems to be like eight o'clock. Oh yeah, it's at it's least, not yeah. like it's, it's dark. so. A, it might be cold. It's yeah. hard to tell. But B, like there are people everywhere. Yeah, and she's literally like, it is 
she's wearing a nightshirt that goes down to like the very tops of her thighs. Yeah. That's it. Like it, yeah. it's <laughs> very strange and distracting. And it's like, why would you not just like, like she can wear the skimpy outfit or whatever. Cause that seems to be what's happening in this movie a lot of the time, but just like yeah. have a robe. Like, right. Right. Realism can go a long way if you just think about these things. Yeah, no, it's I, it's it's very silly. But then also that she's like, well, my my rock fiance is saving a bunch of firemen. I'll show up and then push my way through the crowd, throw mm-hmm. my ring on the ground, and then leave. Uh, too many rocks, she says. Yeah. It it, do, it does make you wonder of like, was she just like dating him in the first place for very superficial reasons, like? I feel I feel like there's there's a little uh, very depressing short film there that we're just not sure, seeing. Sure. We need we need um three f- four colors orange. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> that's okay. Now that's we're cooking. Yes. Now there we're we cooking. Her, uh, her family was killed by a rock, <laughs> so now she can't bear bear to look at him. Uh. I, I was more confused as to why she didn't actively go to try and get him when he's at Victor's facility. Sure. Well, did she know? I, I guess that's part of the confusion, like, because she knows that he went into space. They kind like, of say, like... Whatever. They, I, I feel like they talk about calling their family, and maybe they do. Yeah. I don't okay. 100% remember. I, I think there's a little bit of dressing up, but maybe not specifically, like, her that whole deal sure going the the part of them going into space just to jump around and get back to the original point of like how uh sort of fast-paced the beginning of this movie is in a bad way uh it happens real quick no they have their powers within 20 minutes yeah well like what's even worse is they don't even give like oh we're going into space there's a dramatic scene where the shuttle takes off and right it's we it, um, almost yes, immediately cut to, cut to space, and it's like, oh, they're at we're the in station. Space. Okay, in- interior, exterior, space, terrier, <laughs> space. <laughs> well, it is, and I, I think you're right. Tyler, Final that... frontier. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I want to. I want to become a movie writer just so I can write down the script one day, and so <laughs> some poor director can be like, "What is this?" <laughs> well, all right. I guess if I'm gonna make Indiana Jones eight, I better get started. <laughs> no, no, no. This this is Quentin Tarantino's Star Trek film. This is yeah. this is where this is, where this is leading. Interior, yeah. No, um, I I think you're right in that. As somebody who already does have a modicum of understanding of Fantastic Four, I kind of liked that they were like, yeah, they got their powers. Now we can just play with them having their powers for a while. Which I enjoyed. I enjoyed the stuff of them figuring out their powers. But if I had gone into this movie and didn't have any real grounding in these characters and didn't know who they were as people, it would feel like, oh, wow, we're just we're just getting through this. Don't get me wrong. Hour 49 or whatever for a movie. Great. <laughs> but sure. Well, there, there's some interesting. Yeah. And that would be my argument is like the first movie does the first movie. The, the Roger Corman movie does take quite a while to get to like the meat of them having their powers because it takes a time to establish like, okay, yeah. they're going into space and now they're in space and what's right. happening there. And now they're coming back down. I feel like if you're trying to be this economical, like why not just start with like a spaceship crash and then we get to know the characters and like 
try and do it that way instead of like giving us the briefest of introductions to all the characters rushing through the space thing and then like it, it feels like they're doing a lot of shorthand for things that there's no reference for for right. most audiences and he, i mean like it bothers me too like i didn't i feel like i don't really get a good grasp of like how these characters are in this adaptation and this version of the movie so right. I, it is it is weird i think it is weirdly done i mean i think the very first shot is them like soldering that yes von doom head and then and i also just remember feeling like the dialogue in that first half hour was so like if you were trying to explain to an alien what movie dialogue is that mm-hmm. would be it no everyone just says the most bland basic white bread like here is the here's the information goodbye yeah. like very very straightforward and then it gets a little more creative and i at one point, Doom says, we are both doctors, which I like that. I thought that was, mm-hmm. I was like, that's stupid, and I liked it. Um, but early, early on, it was just, I was like, oh, man, we're already, is that Hamish Linklater from Midnight Mass? All right. And then, yeah, it's it's a little, little uh, kind of jerks you around. Tyler, I did want to ask, in the comics, at least the, the originals, um, how do the stories often are revolve around the fantastic four trying to get rid of their powers it's really the thing okay that is like the main i think there's some of that but it is mostly the thing like continuously i i would have to go back and look through but i believe there's like probably four or five stories in those first like 50 issues 100 issues that are about the thing being like i don't want my powers take away my powers and there's some drama around whether or not Reed can or can't do that. Or like, if it has to be reversed or like, yeah. yeah. Cause I think that's where my frustration comes in with the movie and kind of how it's structured. Um, this and the Roger Corman one, um, they both feel just like extended TV pilots mm-hmm. for a, a show that's going to get more interesting as it goes. I'm not super interested in a story in a superhero story where it's just, we're going to try and get rid of our powers. And then at the very end, Oh, I guess we're superheroes now. Like I, I I just, can I, I almost wish we had bypassed the origin completely and just like done what the incredible Hulk did and have the opening titles. Like we have, you know, a sequence set to John Ottman's score showing them getting their powers. And then it's like, no, boom, fantastic four. We are, we are on the way. Um, but instead they just kind of sit with, they kind of just sit in the Baxter building for what feels like two hours in and of itself, yeah. just trying to get rid of their powers. Yeah, I know they it's not that extreme, but eh, takes a while. They did it that with uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. I I would not be shocked if they do something yeah. very similar with the the MCU Fantastic Four. Like it, it feels like it makes more sense because I mean the original like space flight is you know it takes place within one issue. They've got all their powers. Like yeah, you know it's it is very much like. We're going to sneak into this government facility and go on to space. Oh, no. They gave us weird powers. And that's the origin. <laughs> like, it, you know, yeah. it does You're cover probably wondering quickly. how I got here. Yeah, but that's obviously a totally different medium, audience intention. Like, right. e- everything is totally different about that. So it's like, when you're talking about getting movies, movie audiences to like a new set of characters, you, you have to do something more compelling to, to hook them early on this this is so like wrote and by the numbers and sort of half measured in every way where it doesn't really want to engage with the origin that much but it also doesn't really want to 
totally find a way to bypass it and like put in the legwork to make the characters work and fill you in on what happened after. So uh, I don't, it is, it is a weird spot and I think it takes a very long time for the movie to, to really gel and get going after that. Yeah. And I just, I, I mean, I feel like it does a decent job in justifying itself and why it's structured this way. Like it does try and have character work between everybody and working on the relationships. I mean, some of it's very superficial, but it does have that stuff there. Um, so it's like, I can't technically fail you because the stuff is there. You know, it's like it's very boilerplate. Like you said, Britain, especially, you know, the the, the opening, the opening act. Yeah. But it, it feels it also reminds me of the 2000 X-Men movie where it's like, no, it's it's a it's an extended pilot. It's yep. a solid extended pilot. But I want to see the rest of the show. Not this. <laughs> there is a, a weird talking about the, the character relationships. There's a weird moment where after Johnny goes to be in a BMX rally. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Afterwards, they all come to to chastise him, and there's this crowd surrounding them, like taking video and pictures, and like, oh, it's a fantastic part, and so and, much product placement, and so much product placement. <laughs> there's a huge banner for Lunchables. That's great. <laughs> Very happy about that. Right next to Activision. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I was thrilled. Yeah, back when um, they put Surge in Lunchables. <laughs> like man i can't wait to go to blockbuster video to rent a video game later like, man this is gonna be great uh <laughs> come home and watch even stevens mm-hmm. uh but anyway there was a the, the, all, the, they're, they're all talking and arguing and there's a nice thing where the thing balls up johnny's car and throws it at him yeah but then they leave and then the crowd is still there and uh, Reed and Johnny are like having a conversation that in any other movie would be in a room, like in a living room somewhere. It's like, Johnny, what are you doing? You can't behave like this. Da, 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 da. But there's just people all standing around like, huh? And it's so weird. Like, it's really weird to me that the end of this movie, this big fight takes place essentially at recess. Because that's yeah. how it looks. <laughs> That they're fighting Doctor Doom, and there's all these crazy powers, and a bunch of onlookers standing around. I'm like, oh man, oh, what's gonna mm-hmm. happen? And it's not unusual for there to be movies, for superhero movies, to have this, but usually part of that is that the people are witnessing it happening above them, or they're trying to get the people out, or it's to create more chaos, or here, there's a was... police barricade or something. Right, yeah. right, right. But here it was like watching it was like watching a fighting game where like the level like you're playing Tekken mm-hmm. and the level is people watching you fight, and it's so weird. Um, yeah, I just both of those moments just stuck out to me as bizarre that you were having these. Mo- and again, this character conversation between Reed and Johnny that should have happened. You would think like this is what they talk about when they all go home. Yeah. Well, it's but funny it's because <laughs> that scene happens and then it cuts to Sue trying to get to to ben and calm him down right and they're like walking down the street and there's just a ton of people just around them and they're like they're interacting with the crowd and he goes oh it's not johnny it's them and he turns around and yells at the people directly behind him i'm like you're like contradicting yourself with how these crowds are working yeah (laughs) one scene to another (laughs) very weird um the, the nitpick that i wanted to point out was that um i think it's at some point at the end, Dr. Doom, like, throws the thing, like, 100 feet in the air, and he ends up just landing on a car, and there's a whole gag of, like, oh, the lady's yes. got to stop the car, and the thing's in front of her. Oh, no! I'm like, the thing would have 
destroyed everything yeah. right there. Yeah. Like that would have been a that would not be a car with a broken windshield. That would be a crater in the earth. <laughs> yes. I have the yeah. same thought. Um I, I I do think one thing to note that I, I wanted to talk about is like the so the director is Tim Story. He had done Barbershop before this and also I think a movie with Jimmy Fallon. Taxi. Taxi. Uh, that I had never heard of before this. Y- y'all might have more context than oh, I Britain do. and I are the two biggest fans of taxi. Oh, the experts <laughs> on taxi. But, like, I-, I was curious, like, where that came from. Because, like, and he's African-American, I believe. And, like, that's, like, you know, giving, like, yeah. a m- minority director a shot, like, in 2005. Like, that's that's cool. Like, yeah. that's that's not something that would happen a lot. And Avi Rod apparently was kind of like... Yeah, we really liked his the way he he showed the characters interacting and like how he was able to kind of have characters in a room work together. And I think that that comes across. I think a lot of the performances in this are pretty good, all things considered. Like this, is, he gets good stuff out of the cast. But it is like in terms of having somebody jump from like I don't know I don't know what the budget or production value of Taxi is. You, you might have to help me out with that. But like. <laughs> Well, going there's the assault on the ninjas compound. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> going from stuff like that to something like this, like you're going to have, and it, you know, this is early in the days of superhero movies anyway. So it's kind of like, maybe we don't even, no one knows how to make any of this work. And everyone just listens to Avi Rod because he makes all of them. So it's fine. But like, it is, it is interesting. Cause like, I don't think you'd see anything like that these days. Like directors have to have, have like, some pretty big like brands with like managing budgets and everything under the belts before they can really get in line to be doing, yeah. you know, or Dr. Strange five or whatever. But. One minors, uh, film festival indie success. Sure. It's one extreme <laughs> or the other. Yeah. You, 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 you least... can make one well-received indie and then you make a bunch of dinosaur movies. <laughs> Or, well, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying, though. And but you I'm threatened of, like, to make a Star Wars movie. Right. Then they're like, <laughs> we have this project for you over here. Uh, I'm thinking of, like, you know, more recent MCU is really what I'm considering. Yeah, I mean, other other franchises. I guess all franchises are mismanaged to some extent. But they, I, I you mean, can't win them all. Well, I mean, Look, like, the Captain got... Marvel directors had only made, like, a couple of indie pictures. Sure. Uh, sure. Uh, David F or uh scott derrickson i don't know what really he had done prior kugler was until creed was an indie director yeah i mean chloe zhao yeah but chloe but that's what i'm saying is like chloe zhao like nomadland like sure was all well nomadland was after though that yeah she was definitely an indie was it oh was it after i think she filmed nomadland after eternals yeah yeah but yeah i do uh, yeah i know what you're saying Hmm. um okay okay maybe you're talking me out of it but, but also having said that, though, to to still give a, a fairly unknown director from a marginalized community in 2005 a big Hollywood picture, that's still, that's like, that's a nice thing. Yeah, it's interesting. And I'm not like against it. I just, no, totally. like, I mean, there are, can you imagine this movie was given to like Brett Ratner? <laughs> we were having to talk about it. Oh, oh, he, he was, he was too busy messing up the other, the other Fox right. superhero franchise. Right. 
And now, that was funny. Uh, Tyler, you, you mentioned like, oh, all franchise franchises are mismanaged, you know, to, to one degree or another. Yeah, and we've got about seven years of audio content to back right. it up. <laughs> like we've, we've gone over this. But it is it is just like the movie definitely feels like it's it's having a hard time managing all the moving pieces from time to time. We also didn't mention the one of the co-writers in this. I don't know who it is, but then there's another co-writer in this who is Mark Frost, who is the co-writer with David Lynch of Twin Peaks. Uh, and I don't know what to make of that at all. <laughs> Apparently at one point he was interviewed and was like, yeah, I kind of like tried to make sure they grounded the characters and the, the uh, original portrayals and, you know, got the adaptation right. So that's neat, I guess. Also, apparently this movie uh, changed a lot after The Incredibles came out. Or, or they were... Shocker. The, I, I, I read that, that they did make modifications to it uh, because The Incredibles came out and they were like, oh, this is dissimilar. We have to change some things. I don't know what those things were, but maybe that didn't help. Also, Sean Astin was uh, attached to this. I don't know if y'all saw that he was uh, at some point... Not this like version of the movie. Yeah. Um, I'm just sort of like... Spilling out all the weird little tidbits here, but if you look at the oh. Wikipedia page, uh, he was supposed to. I don't know if they actually like gave it to him, but like he was in talks to direct it at some point in like the early two thousands wow. because like he wanted to get into directing, and they were like, "All right, we'll talk to you." I guess. Interesting. Javier Rod was like, "I'll listen. I'll hear anybody out. <laughs> Why not?" Fascinating. We've I'm been hiring, trying to make this movie for a decade. I'm hiring Brett Ratner on my next project. I'll take anyone. <laughs> right. Like Mark Mark Frost said that thing, and then the the camera kind of swiveled over to the to his left, and David Lynch went, "Well, it should be easy to ground one of them because he's made of rocks. <laughs> made of rocks." <laughs> All right, David. He's 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 been going to more open mics. <laughs> <laughs> That would be good. Um, yeah. <laughs> apparently, also Tim Story and Mark Frost are both big fans of the original material, which which I think tracks here again. Like for the most part, I think the the characters are done right, except for an elephant in the room that I want to save as we talk through the rest of the movie. Sure. Well, then we can talk about a lesser situation, and that is not a problem. Chris Evans is great. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Evans is just really good in this movie, um, as he tends to be in movies. He has a bit, I think it's in the final fight. And I want to say, because he, he, he had, there's a heat-seeking missile that Doom shoots at him. And so he makes it go out to sea. And then he hangs out in Italy for a bit. And Michael Caine winks at him. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back. And he, he and comes I back. cried. Okay, yeah. I cried. I always cried. Um, <laughs> but then nobody, Chris Evans comes back. And he says, like, missed me. Or, or something. It's something to that effect. And I was like, Chris Evans is good at one-liners. Because he said that well. Like... Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's I can do this all day or in for a penny, like he's he's good at that stuff, and he's 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 good in these genre pictures, and I really uh, enjoyed him. I thought the fire effects generally looked pretty good. Um, with him, there's a nice. I, I just mentioned that they do little creative things with the powers throughout the movie. There's a bit where he's I think when he's he's watching the BMX thing, he's walking over the TV and he's just holding a tin of of Jiffy Pop, and this is gradually popping in his hand as he watches. Yes. That's a nice that's a nice little joke. I like that. Yeah. And there's there's the gag where um they're all sitting around having breakfast or whatever and he steals uh the thing's giant bowl of orange juice because he's just he's got yeah. a whole bag of oranges that he's mm-hmm. just been squeezing. Um but then Johnny ends up like setting some paper towels on fire or something. Right, and he's trying right. to pat it out yeah. and, <laughs> and it just gets going. worse. 
Yeah. It's good. Like, I like that stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about the joke montage <laughs> where, like, th- there's just various shenanigans going on. Like, Johnny sees Mr. Fantastic, like, having to reach across to a different room to grab some toilet paper. And then it keeps intercutting with this gag. It, I mean, it's it was featured in D2 The Mighty Ducks, so it's got to be a winner. Um, where... Johnny has put like shaving cream in the thing's hand and he's trying oh, yeah. to tickle him on his face. So he'll rub it uh, while he's uh, sleeping. And eventually he has to get like the, the, the hard end of the brush. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. To, to get him to do it. It's a terrible joke. It's, it's not original, but yeah. Chris Evans's mm-hmm. like response yeah, it. when it finally works mm-hmm. sells it completely. Yeah. Oh, he has a great bit too, where he uh, he just like looks at the thing, and goes, "So where are your ears?" <laughs> and I just, there's, there's, he's looking for clothes to wear at one point, and he walks past the Fantastic Four outfit, and then he walks out of frame, and then kind of leans back, like, mm? "Yeah, <laughs> it's he's great. I love him." Yeah, and I I I just remembered the uproar when it was announced that he was going to be Captain America, and everyone was like, "No, he only does comedies. He's Johnny Storm. You can't do this and then what?" I'm like, "He's got the range. He can do both. He can do both quite easily." (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and and he has played more of these like kind of jerky hothead characters. Yeah, um, total like between this and well, Snowpiercer, he's not really a hothead. In fact, he's quite cold in that movie. But he's what I would call uh, maybe an antihero in a way. I would put Snowpiercer closer to the Captain America yeah. spectrum of performance. Yeah, more like Cannibal America. And then I would put... <laughs> yeah, such a great movie. Um, <laughs> it is. But, or like uh, Scott Pilgrim, yes. that kind of that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, he did, didn't he do like rom-coms and stuff as well? I, he's in like, n- I th- not another teen movie, I think. Yeah. I, I, I feel like that's how his career kind of started. And sure. Captain America sort of changed the trajectory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's great. Guess we're gonna have to review. What's your number? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only if we can do blind dating starring Chris Pine. <laughs> How do we feel about Chris Evans like wooing the nurse after the nurse yeah. sees that he has a two hundred nine degree temperature and she still yeah. goes with him? And somehow the, he convinces her and a helicopter pilot at, like, Doom's place to, like, go yeah. get take take them snowboarding in a very early 2000s uh, kind of sequence there. Oh, yeah, with the song that doesn't need to be there makes sense. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I um, I, that to me is such an 05 yeah. mo- move. Like, it's Maria Menounos from Nuvi. And I, Is it I really? yeah, I'm not really. Oh yeah, but I was, yeah, I, I didn't like it because it's just like I don't know. It's not gross, gross, but it's kind of like how sexualized Jessica Alba is in the movie, where yeah. you're like, all right, I get it. Like I don't like it, so come on, all right. But it's it's not as egregious as like other movies at the time were, I'm sure. But it also is not <laughs> great. So yeah, mm-hmm. it was it's a big old eye roll from me although i did like the bit of him being in the snow having burned all the snow away or melted all the snow yeah right i think i i just got a bunch of fun chris evans quips and reactions out of it so honestly like at that point i was like i know what movie i'm in i don't really care either way (laughs) like there's that bit where um she's taking his temperature and he's like yeah it's really hot 
And he says something, and then he goes, I'm not afraid to cry. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, that got me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was fine. Whatever. It's fine. Um, do we do we want to talk about Reed and Sue now? Sure. And by that, I mean... Uh, Ewan Griffith? Is that is that it, Britain? It's Ewan Griffith. I'm not, right. I'm not repeating that. The actor that plays Reed. Right. Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> yeah. <it's... laughs> Saoirse, like inertia. <laughs> no, he's... <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Every night I wake up screaming. <laughs> <laughs> no, Griffith. Like, it, it's, he's Welsh. Yeah. So Griffith. Eowyn like, uh, Griffith. Eowyn Griffith. Okay. Eowyn Grofold. Yeah. Juggy Brodelteen. Go on. Ian Ruffles. Ian McGregor. Pring- Pringles Ruffles. Right? Pringles Ruffles plays Reed Richards, a.k.a. Mr. Fantastic. Um, yes. No, I think he's quite good. And, you know, as much as I was, I was praising the other actor in the previous film... I can't remember the actor's name. Was that uh, Alex Hydewaite? I I should remember because his name is Alex. Um, I still think he's probably my favorite of the three actors that play Reed. Mm -hmm. But I I definitely liked Reed in this. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, I I definitely feel like he mastered seeming like the smartest guy in the room at the very least. And then also being like complete, you know, an introvert, not being able to talk to a girl and all that. Um, Yeah, it felt, felt pretty... Pretty on point to me. Mm-hmm. I I think he played the awkwardness well. I think there's just so little on the page. Yeah. For yeah. Reed, and there's not really a lot of screen time for him. Like he's a very like pared down yeah version of Reed. Uh, it, it's weird. Like it feels like, and I'll I, I want to get to this. I have some some larger overall thoughts. Um, it feels like he and Sue to some extent are very much like entrenched in the sixties versions of the characters that are just like initially very superficial. Like there's not a whole lot going on there. And it's like, you have captured the personality traits of these characters and they act the way these characters would act. They're not really selling me that they're totally like lived in or like could be real people where like, obviously Johnny feels like he's been updated very much for the time um and you know the thing i think it's the most kind of emotional depth of anyone in the movie but i i do feel like reed doesn't feel like a, a fleshed out character um yeah because, which is crazy because he's got a lot of flesh yeah i had thought about going there and i was like i don't know if i can stretch that oh ah, i can stretch that all right uh <laughs> i don't like any of this Alex, do you not want to do a joke? Does the reach exceed your grasp? What are we... You know what? It does. (laughs) (laughs) Go on, Tyler. Um, But yeah, like, he's got a lot of the things. I just wish there was more of a... Like, I'm thinking of the, the piece in the last movie where Reed kind of realizes that they're all... All their powers are sort of inspired by their emotional weight and baggage and like 
he he has the interaction with Sue where Sue's like trying to tell him that he loves trying to tell him that she loves him and he like totally bypasses it and gets really excited about this new idea and then eventually like does come back around to saying he loves her too like that I think is a really good read writing and I think the actor plays him well this I don't think ever really gives him something like that where you can kind yeah. of get these sort of machinations of like he's a super smart dude he's going to miss obvious like emotional cues he does he does not have a lot of emotional intelligence but he does care and he does like yeah he's trying to do things for people and like that I I think that we he feels like someone who doesn't have a lot of motivation in any particular area <laughs> he feels like right. when I think you need someone you need a read that feels a little more driven uh and and sort of obsessive over things when they feel like they lay more on that that, that he had that he and Sue have this rift and it almost feels less about emotional per- perception from him and more about just not being like a tough man almost yeah. like which I don't like that trope anyway yeah. but that seems that's that's the text the subtext yeah. may be missing emotional cues but the text is much more like quote man up nonsense and that's and that's like a i think like a if you if you you're getting read right then his reaction to that should be like why do i care <laughs> like right <laughs> i don't i don't like his reaction should be too far in the other direction of like i don't care if you think i'm you know a, a good man for you like i'm you know my yeah. my intellect is more important or like i i think you have to take that take it in kind of the other direction where he he's totally disassociated from thinking that way that like that doesn't even get to him because he doesn't even consider whether or not like you know his, the way he treats sue is like impacting how she feels about him like it, it, i feel like you need to swing it more in that direction uh it's a weird thing to take with reed richards to be like he w- didn't think he was man enough yeah for you or something <laughs> i don't know it's yeah and i i, I don't really like sue in this and i i don't like her even more in the next one and Hmm. let's set just the jessica alba of it all aside but i think just the character as written i think she verges on being emotionally manipulative um i really don't like that she's just constantly getting mad at reed for not quote-unquote being a man (laughs) um and it's like five minutes of communication would have solved all of this like and I, I know she does have that line where he, you know, he says to her, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're with Victor and, and all this stuff and you finally got to be with the man you wanted to be or, you know, whatever. And she goes, well, I thought, you know, I wanted you to be that man. Um, and he says, well, you could have just told me. And she says, well, that that probably would have defeated the purpose. Yeah. I'm like, OK, there's something there, but at the same time. If you really love this guy and this is this is stretching years for this relationship, talk to him. Have yeah. a conversation. Like this to me this is like Raimi Spider-Man shenanigans cuz I don't like MJ and Peter and their relationship in those movies. It felt like it was verging on that territory. Well, and it is weird again to speedrun the entire origin of the characters at the beginning of this movie but start off with Reed and Sue have already been together and broken up. Yeah. yeah. When like them getting together is usually part of the origin. 
like that that's a weird thing to set us off of because like we don't know what you know that was like like we don't we don't know what he did that you know frustrated her and made her kind of have this growing resentment over him not kind of fulfilling what she needed from him like i don't know it's a weird leg to start on um and i don't i don't love it i don't mind jessica alba as much as i like i really don't think she's that i I feel like i remembered her being a lot more rough in the role than it actually felt rewatching it um i think i bought it a lot more i think it's it's hard because like the actress they had for the the roger corman movie i mean she looks a lot more like traditional sue storm and like i think it's hard to do sue storm with someone who's not like a um sort of platinum blonde like i don't know it just like a different vibe from the actress in general um but i think she she i mean considering especially like what she was given to work with i think yeah she makes yeah. it effective yeah i i think she's not the problem i and i honestly haven't seen jessica alba in enough to have a read on her just as an actress like mm-hmm. her sort of general like, i i really don't know but like yeah, I know, I, I just think she's kind of saddled with like bland nothingness or yeah, skimpy clothes or whatever. Exactly. This movie That's has a lot. Like... A, the, this movie will come up with a lot of reasons for her to be in underwear when her powers are flickering or something. Yeah. Like it's just. I yeah. I did have the thought because I remember back when we did the world is not enough. I kind of posed the question with regards to Denise Richards in that movie of like, so did they have like the character as written and then they cast Denise Richards and then they said, Oh, we've got to rewrite this to fit her. Um, and I kind of feel that way with some of the scenes in this, particularly the, Oh, Sue, you've got to get undressed and get invisible so we can sneak by some cops. Yeah. And then, Oh no, it didn't work. She's visible again. And they keep doing the gag they they keep doing it doesn't really i don't really like it the first time but then it happens multiple times would you be shocked if i said they 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 do it again (laughs) (laughs) this these movies have a real uh, i say these movies i haven't seen the second one in a while this movie has a real undercurrent of uh scooby-doo and scooby-doo monsters and leash yes i would agree, <laughs> I would agree with that. Like I really a, it, would. it really does and, and it i think does. i think that's like coming across and like the way the characters are adapted and like the way that like johnny storm is updated for the you know yeah yeah a, a character like this uh because i think that's that is one like quibble i would have with him is that i feel like he is so combative and like not like i don't know he he is he's very spike tv yeah and i think the fact that he doesn't it feels like he doesn't really have like a a relationship to sue in terms of like a younger brother dynamic right they kind of just feel like it almost feels like he's the older brother like the the way that it's played and like there's not really like a a respect there i guess like that i feel like that needs to be a little bit of a component um which might just, i mean i think maybe my bottom line is just that like it feels weird to start with them cast uh older like this not even like old but like i don't know what chris evans was at that point like late 20s probably yeah 
or like I don't know. I I feel like, and I hope that the MCU might go younger with their casting because I feel like if you start with like I've seen fan casting of Joe Keery, I think that would be fantastic. Uh, like I'd love to see them do something like that where it is like, oh, he's actually kind of the he's got kind of a chip on his shoulder because he is the the young gun of the group mm-hmm. and people kind of look down on him. Versus this is very much just like, oh yeah, he's totally just like a complete uh, rogue element and yeah. does not care what the rest of the group does. Um, I think there there's a little bit of dynamics there that I'd like to see uh, a good adaptation of these characters play on. Yeah. I'm, I'm stuck on the Scooby-Doo comparison because I'm right. just, Dr. Doom <laughs> walks into a, a crowded restaurant and, and, the, and one of the waiters goes, oh, I, I've got uh, somebody on the phone for, for a Mr. Doom. And a guy stands up next to, to Victor and goes, Melvin Doom? <laughs> You're pretty good. <laughs> that is my favorite joke in any movie ever. And it's just the worst. <laughs> Stop 100 laughs. <laughs> Number one, Melvin New. And you've got Scorsese sitting there going, well, the frame is perfect the way they have him. <laughs> so your eyeline goes directly to Melvin. There's a setup and payoff. That's all I'm saying. I always said I wanted to work with James Gunn on a Hanna-Barbera property. Uh, I'd love to do that sometime. I, I quick draw McGraw. Call me. Can- I, I, can I can I, I ma- I'm gonna, I'm gonna make Bravo a bunch pitch. of I just <laughs> I'm gonna make a bunch of YouTube videos about Doctor Doom's cousin Melvin Doom. Right. I will Bad just MS Paint very quickly <laughs> say is... Martin Scorsese and James Gunn's uh, Johnny Bravo starring John Cena, and then I will yes <laughs> just just put the three of them in a in a press tour together. Yes. Um, <laughs> possibly the three most distant energies you could find in hollywood although gun and gun and santa they've made some stuff together. sure they've worked it's yeah it's, but there are very it's it's they've you know it's kind of like how uh if you're trying to calculate like the effects of gravity uh, <laughs> on a system and it's like a single system with like one object that you're like checking it's like okay that you know you can figure that out yeah uh, but then, like when you introduce a third element, like the complexity goes way up. Like that's that's what happens there. It's like together they can work. Just, sure. Just Gun and Cena, but then like you introduce <laughs> Scorsese into this mix and try to make them all like pro- create a coherent like yeah. product content thing. I would love to see John Cena in a too small chair talking about how Scorsese inspired him to become an actor <laughs> while he's got this giant Johnny Bravo wig. Yeah, exactly. Just, like, <laughs> the well, I mean, really, as tall as his head. <laughs> Really, it was the age of innocence that really kind of woke me up to like maybe I should get out of WWE. Um, anyway, uh, let's talk about Doctor Doom. Yeah, um, I think so it's Tyler time. can can rage against um, this machine. This Doctor Doom. Is, so I don't want to dive. I won't dive straight in. Straight. Right. So into when Robert um, Moses was in charge of New York, right? <laughs> let's let's go back to the beginning. Go when Moses. <laughs> um no uh, the, it's Melvin so, Moses Melvin Moses 
We've lost. We've lost. Brain. There's two babies in the basket in the river. I think it's too good. Uh, <laughs> oh, good to know we brought Britain to tears. Oh my god. <laughs> gone off deep in here. Um, uh, talking were, about man. Sue Sue and Richard being broken up at the beginning and Sue is with Doom. That's already weird. I don't I mean I'm sure it's been done because this is the thing is like people talk about like you know people make the listicles of like 10 yeah. moments you won't believe happen in comics and it's like so and so did so and so and it's like well yeah there's been 500 <laughs> issues and someone has to come up with a, an idea every month to to write you know fantastic for any given comic like people are gonna do weird stuff so i'm sure there's been dr doom and sue storm romance storylines like doom trying to woo sue i don't believe that's a factor in the original run i think mostly because there is chemistry between sue and namor right that's really more where that goes um so like that's already weird to me to start off on that foot um my thing is like (laughs) doom in this movie it's kind of just like a media mogul corporate science guy he's he's just got a bunch of money and he's he's rich and he's bankrolling projects this is another thing about reed is that the the movie establishes that reed is like had a failed grant um or something which is odd because like usually i would think you'd want to play it as like doom has been spurned because you know reed went on to all this wild success with his scientific conventions because he's supposed to be the smartest dude ever while Doom, like, goes too far, gets too ambitious, or, you know, goes back to Latveria because the experiment in college doesn't work. Like, that's a weird a weird thing already to be like. Like, it, it, it almost is starting you off in, like, an alternate universe comic of, like, what happens if Doom... when What, what would have happened if Doom's experiment had been successful? Or, like, it, it feels like it's starting off on that foot and then, like, bringing us back around to Fantastic Four... Uh, very quickly like the usual status quo that's all weird um but my thing about doom is the movie makes a couple of references to latveria um it's not really explained why or how it connects uh they've given him a mask yeah uh, (laughs) for services to the people of latveria as a thing um and then at the end he's being shipped back uh after being frozen (sighs) so like Doom as a character, I didn't really get into this in the last one because the last one very much just does the 60s Doom kind of straight up and I think does a good job of, of that betrayal. Um, but if we're getting into Doom as a like human being who has like motivations and things and is not an over-the-top comic book villain, he's a guy who like... I was thinking about this. He is basically, if Batman was a supervillain... Because he's like, I'm. He uses every resource as at his disposal to become basically one a dictator of a, of his his home country. Uh, he he takes it over. 
uh, and then become, you know, a supervillain to basically every Marvel superhero by using science, by using magic. Um, he consistently challenges Mephisto uh, as basically the devil for battles of wits about his mother's soul uh, and like gets into dark magic and like does all this insane stuff. He's got like giant robot armies. Like he's someone who just like, he has no powers inherently, but he takes everything to the maximum limit to, you know, become as powerful as he possibly can be on his own. Um, and, you know, has this, this background that is like focused on like Eastern European origins. And like, that's a whole part of his, his background. Like he should be, in the MCU, whenever they get around to him, he should be kind of similar to um, Wanda and Pietro as they're like, you should, you should be kind of from a similar vein. Um, and like, there's just so much like interesting depth to him while he's also a very over the top egotistical monster. Um, and, and this movie just plays him as this understated I don't know I, I've forgotten the actor's name uh Julian him. McMahon yeah um he he plays him as this very understated mildly threatening rich guy yeah he, the movie does not draw any connections to his background it doesn't like really establish anything about how he gets to this point. He, he gets powers cause he's also on the ship and his powers are, I turn into metal, which is like nothing to do. Like, yeah. well, not just that he shoots electricity. He does shoot is, electricity. And which that is, is what a, I, I wanted to ask Tyler. Cause I know he, he has dabbled in magic in the comics. Like, yeah, is it, there a kind of set? Like, does he have like no, a normal list of powers that he, he, he relies on? He definitely does have like energy blast of, unknown origin that may be like through his gauntlets or okay. maybe through like magic. Like he, he does, he does have that sort of thing going on. So, I mean, that's fine. Did he but have a giant rocket launcher? I mean, I'm military sure contracts. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, it's just like, it's a, it's a weird thing to have him turn into metal, but then give him the regular mask. Um, I'm glad they did it because at least he looks like doom more or less at the end. Uh, holding a rocket launcher, but he looks like Doom. Um, but I, it is it is weird. I, I will say I did find it moderately clever that the reason like his body starts turning into metal is because of the shields on the ship and the fact that he was willing to kind of sacrifice everybody, kind of sure. sealed his fate in that regard. It's mildly clever. Yeah, it's just like... I don't know. It's weird to give him powers and it's weird to make them kind of vague like that when I feel like you could just as easily be like, I've built in a powerful suit. So, yeah. so, so Tyler, you're telling me if you were told, hey, write the reboot of Fantastic Four, mm -hmm. you would go, oh, I'm not going to make Doom's powers vague and also give him powers that he gets alongside the Fantastic Four. You, yes. you wouldn't do that. Because that would, would be, I would agree. That would be a tragic mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I just googled the uh, fan four stick Doctor Doom costume. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't. Um, 
my my I don't bottom play line that Tom Clancy game. I don't. My do bottom this. line that I'm kind of talking around here is that Doom is a very good character. Uh, Quit screwing him up. <laughs> not only no no, no I'm, th- that's one thing. Yeah, stop screwing him up. Doom is a very good character. He's he's over the top. He's crazy. Uh, he he's just like you. You have to be going. You you have to turn it up to eleven if you're playing Doom. Um, this performance of Doom is like if if you took Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin, and you took away all the things that make Willem Dafoe a unique actor. Yeah, and you were just left with the rest. Like I I'm just just in my mind comparing the two boardroom scenes where both of yes. them get kicked out of their company. You got the Willem Dafoe scene, which is great because at the end he goes, do you know how much I sacrificed? And he's just well, screaming he, at them. He, yeah, he's like railing at them. He's freaking out. They're and all they, a little nervous. And then you get this boring scene where they're just like, you're out, Victor. And it just like slowly zooms in on his face and he says nothing. Yes. He, he's kind of a watered down John Barrowman from Arrow. Yeah. Also yeah. a good comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I will say I... I I did not watch Nip Tuck, so I don't, and I don't know what else Julian McMahon has been sure. in. Um, so I'm not going to blame the actor. But I, I will also point out, he and uh, Griffith, I think both, the American accents waver a little bit. And I wonder if in both cases that gets in the way of their performance, which not in the sense, I, I don't like to throw that around at actors, but like yeah. if you're focusing on getting an accent and making yeah. it sound organic and real for that might especially in some of the scenes where they start yelling or getting more emotional it starts to waver but in the case of mcmahon it didn't bother me as much because i was like well he is supposed to be from another country well i was gonna ask because Britton, you were looking a little bit into some of the behind the scenes right D- didn't he start with an accent of sorts for oh Doom? i have no idea i don't know okay i just know that mcmahon is australian okay because I yeah. think maybe maybe I, I had heard this separately. I want to say that they, when they started production, they asked him to do an Eastern European accent. Oh, hmm. interesting. And then they kind of realized that it wasn't working early <laughs> it's on. It's probably so, going to end up being very offensive. Well, that's why I'm wondering, like, in different parts where his accent is breaking, I wonder if it's actually, no, it's just takes where he's using his Latvian accent sure. that they were originally planning yeah. to go with. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, could be. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know, maybe maybe it's just that, that I needed some Doom bots. Maybe that would have raised <laughs> this movie a full letter grade if they had just thrown in some dang Doom bots. But I don't know, just like going the corporate businessman route is probably for me the most mid-2000s thing about this yeah. movie. Um, Because that's basically what all the superhero movies of that time were doing. It's just like we we got a corporate bad guy who kind of gets a costume at the end, and that's 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 it. Um, yeah, I was unfortunately I you know Julian McMahon. I thought he, he there were some scenes where he was pretty good. I I think the scene where he confronts the investor guy in the car, you know the uh, the parking garage, and just like electrocutes him mm-hmm. through and like blows a hole through his chest. Yeah, I actually thought that was pretty good. Um, but it's also yeah. a little weird because he does that, but then at another point he throws uh, a doctor who's like trying to tell him he has to quarantine. Yeah, uh, he throws him at a at a glass cabinet that's like two feet away, and it kills the doctor. Yeah, 
Uh, and then also later he throws Ben after he's turned back into a human. He throws him like 10 feet away at a shelf of chemicals and Ben just kind of gets up. Uh, and he also there, electrocutes Sue and she's just fine. Yeah. It's fine. A little, little back and forth there. Fine. Fine. He didn't shock her hard enough. Mm-hmm. Fine. Um, yeah. Mostly a flat line. And that's unfortunate. I think yeah. I think I've realized this with the Fantastic Four movies and just kind of knowing where we're going. Um, the MCU better fix the villain situation with regards to the Fantastic Four because this this ain't working <laughs> and it continues to not work. This is the other thing I was thinking is that like we talked about in the last one, they had thought they were going to do the Mole Man, but then they changed their mind because the deal maybe didn't give it to him. So they kind of turned him into an original character who's basically the Mole Man. Yeah. Um I I do think like it's tough to feel like you have to start with doom every time. It's kind of like if you felt like every time you started a Batman movie franchise, you have to do the Joker right away. Sure. Um, Like you, you can build to him and I think it kind of works better if he's in the background uh, and like, you know, you kind of have the separate origin of, Reed doesn't know what happened to him after college and then you can pull him in when you need him. And I, I imagine that's where they're going to go with this. I, I, I would think that that's like, I, I feel like the MCU knows that they need to get him exactly right. And I trust them after Thanos. Um, but I agree. It's, it is, it is rough and I'm not looking forward to the next one. Silver Surfer. Galactus, I don't. And then they bring back Doom. Yeah, I'm. I'm. He's already a lost cause. We're not. I'm not worried about that. But I, I'm. I am just like. I don't. I don't want to deal with that. Um, At least the I Silver did... Surfer looks like the Silver Surfer. Sure. If I sure. can give it anything. Yes. They got. They got, got that. Got right. Half of them right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, so I do want to. I, I've decided I'm going to start keeping a tally of my ratings of how they adapt each character. Okay. Uh, as we go through these movies. So I'm going to first revisit Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. Um, Before I'm, you get I'm, into that, Tyler, did you also count how many times they said Fantastic Four in this movie? Because I want to say not. that actually beat out the Roger Corman one. They said quite a right. bit in this. I got to count it. I think you are right. Because they do, like, it's on the TV. It's on, they say it verbally multiple times. Like, they do repeat it in a way. And again, like, Rather than do that, yeah. <laughs> just own the name. Um, they put the... I, I like that they put the... Is it Johnny puts a four on a suit and they're like, what did you do? Oh, and there's a wonderful sight gag where Reed's in the background and he, he's got his lab coat on over the uniform and he like slowly... Yes. <laughs> he's like, oh, I, he's got it too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty uh, good. Yeah. Um, so, Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. I'm saying Mr. Fantastic... I'm giving them seven out of ten. I'm also okay. considering um, effects and things here, like I'm saying, like in an ideal world. Okay. If ten out of ten would be, this looks exactly like the comic book character, and it, I, I'm not repulsed by it. Um, so John <laughs> Krasinski's a ten out of ten. Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, it is kind of repulsive. Uh, no, no, no. I, I mean, I mean the actor John Krasinski. I, I don't, I don't well, mean yeah. his right. his yes. portrayal. Right. Go. I on. guess I should, I should consider that too, but. 
it's, it's more of a cameo than anything. How about John um, Krasinski in A Quiet Place? How, how does that uh, rate on the read scale? Like six out of ten. Okay. Uh, <laughs> We're not far off. I'm saying, I'm saying uh, Roger Corman's Fantastic Four, Mr. Fantastic, seven out of ten. I'm going to give Sue a seven out of ten as well, I think. Do invisibility. She's get she's got the four shields. They don't really explain it, but that's fine. <laughs> she does it. That's okay. Um, I'm giving I'm giving Thing a six out of ten, mostly for the effects and the lack of clobbering in in real time. There's there's like one scene where I think he actually hits some guys, and the rest of it they just do kind of the spinny thing. Um, the the head looks a little weird, although I do appreciate the practical effects and the animatronics. But uh, I think especially when you're looking at this movie. Uh, you know, it's hard to argue that it can't be done better. Um, I'm also giving Human Torch a six out of ten, mostly for effects again. Although I think he doesn't get a whole lot to do in portrayal wise, they probably could have done a little better with that. Um, and I'm giving their Doom a seven out of ten. I think that like it's kind of a ceiling because they they just have Doom be this big over the top crazy dude, but he looks perfect. He looks exactly like I think they wanted him to look and how he should have looked for the era of doom that they're at it they're adapting in that one good with that so my average overall for uh roger corwin's fantastic four is 6.6 out of 10 uh is what i'm giving it in terms of the portrayal um and then this one i'm saying mr fantastic six out of 10 dropping off a point i think they miss some of the the depth there uh in the adaptation the the i will say we didn't mention this the stretching effects they could look worse they really could yeah, like i agree they're not great uh but again adjusting for time i'm all right with it uh for the most part definitely if we're looking for the ideal perfect look which i think uh actually john krasinski looks pretty good when he's stretching in uh doctor strange but if we're looking for that then we got to dock some points but it, it, it could be a lot worse i i think for me the the most frustrating part is that they don't back off the camera enough from certain shots like the, mm-hmm. the bit where he has to put his hand under the door to get the the doorknob yeah. yeah um pull the camera back that <laughs> that does not look good and i think it's more it's, it's more just away. human skin stretching just doesn't look great yeah. at that point i think when he's in the fantastic four uniform and he's doing his mm-hmm. stretching i think that that's all yeah. well and good yeah. I think it's really for me. It's just that scene of like, no, do not show close-ups of his hand like sliding through the door. It does not look good. There is a mis- okay. there is a, a a misdone effect that works out in where he's fallen asleep on his desk and he sits up and his face has been has slid down. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and it's not like a quote unquote good effect, but it makes it look more horrifying. So yeah. therefore, it's more effective. Sure. Still and also, I also I like that idea. It's the Jiffy Pop mm-hmm. thing with Human Torch. I think that's a cute like. Mm-hmm. Slide. I don't. Anyway, go on. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm giving Sue six out of ten. Uh, maybe as as it goes along, I'll I'll try and reevaluate if that should be lower. But I I think all things considered, could be a lot worse. Uh, uh, the big thing is just like how obsessed they are with undressing her and like yeah how much that kind of overtakes anything they're trying to do with her character. Um, Cause otherwise I think, you know, it's a pretty good job. I think good, good portrayal for the most part. It's just that stuff is annoying. Um, I think I'm giving nine out of 10. I just, I get, give me the unibrow. 
yeah. give me the big the big rock rectangle on his forehead and we'll be good to go like that that he is he is just about spot on um human torch doing eight out of ten like i said i think he could be a little more the dynamics like you could you could tweak that a little bit to make him fit in with the rest of the team a little more and like he can still i think he he still needs to be rebellious but like have more of a role within the team as the rebel i i feel like there's a bit of a distinction there that they don't totally grasp um and then the doom i'm giving a two out of ten uh (laughs) specifically because he does look like doom although he doesn't have a cape if he had a cape we might talk three out of ten uh at the end but he he does look like him he's got the mask looks right um the hands i think mostly look okay now that they're totally metalified even though they should be gauntlets it's fine um and the the robe looks good it's got like the the clasps at the shoulders that are like these big uh circular metal clasps that are you know straight out of the comic so like that's all well and good um but the rest of it is just not doom so (laughs) um 6.2 out of 10 so i i am giving corman's the uh the average uh by a hair there on all five i don't know what i'll do i guess maybe i'll try (laughs) would it be would it be too harsh to try and incorporate both silver surfer and galactus maybe i'll combine them maybe i'll say maybe i'll try and evaluate uh how i feel about putting them together in the next one and then i don't know if i'll reevaluate all the characters based on how they are in the next one or what but i'm gonna keep this in my back pocket for when they do the mcu does eventually get to fantastic four We'll 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 hold it. We'll take him to task, <laughs> as I always do. Fair. Um, yeah, I will. I, as we're wrapping up, I will uh, just mention. I, I I think that the fire truck rescue sequence is really clunky, but I also like the idea of them figuring out their powers in mm-hmm. that in that sequence. I think if you you kind of rearrange it a little bit and tighten it up, there's also a random like third of a second shot of a dalmatian barking that was weird um mm-hmm. but like I, I i like the idea that they're all kind of like well i basically know what i can do but i don't really know how to implement it and then they get to in that yeah. act of heroism like i think that's kind of a nice a nice move and and i also like that well i, I say like i thought it was funny that they, they do many many bits about how the thing can't pick things up because he mm-hmm. has three or a thumb and three big rock fingers and everything is too small and fragile. Either breaks it or just can't get his fingers around it. But eventually he's at a diner drinking espresso out of a little cup because they're like, we, we, we have to have him be able to drink out of stuff eventually. Mm -hmm. So they just kind of have him ready. That's that scene starts and he's drinking from a a teacup or whatever. And then later on, he's got like a metallic, like, like a milkshake shaker thing that he's drinking out of. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, you solved it. <laughs> yeah. Too much effort. But it's like, kind it's of like at like... a certain point, you just give up on the chopsticks and start using your fork. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I did want to talk briefly about some of the deleted material in the film. Um, I don't think this is a case where, oh, the extended version would save it. Mm. Um, Lockjaw's these... in it. <laughs> well. <laughs> it couldn't hurt. I mean, the one time that's been done, it was not done well. So Sure. I can't I can't be too excited. But um there is an extended version out there. I think it's I I don't think it ever got like a fancy release. I think it's just like a DVD. Hmm. Um but that is out there for for those who are interested. Um 
basically it's it's attempts at small little character beats for the most part i understand why some of it was cut um but for me i think the biggest thing is there was a date between alicia and ben Mm. um tyler is this a thing in the comics where she because they do this in the the corman one too where she like makes sculptures of ben okay she is a sculptor so basically they go to like this art gallery presentation thing did there um Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. i don't know if it's all her art or if it's just like a bunch of people from in new york have done like pieces on the thing um and she takes him to this and at some point they get separated she goes and gets drinks or something and then like people are are commenting on him like he's part of the exhibit and it just makes him really uncomfortable and then he just leaves (laughs) and like it's nice to get more carrie washington because i think she's great in this um but she doesn't get enough to do. Uh, but it's, I don't know. On the one hand, I'm like, I wish it was in there. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't feel like it accomplishes enough to justify itself. Um, then the other piece is uh, part of Doom's plan to kind of split up the Fantastic Four is to basically try and woo Johnny with girls and fame and fortune. Um, so that's why he kind of leaves the Baxter building. Him and Sue have that little spat and then he's just like, I'm going to go live my life and be with the fans and whatever. Mm. Um, and there's like a couple of scenes where he's like partying around and I think, I I can't remember if he like endangers somebody or he does something stupid and then he gets chastised by people at the party. So that's when he decides to kind of turn around and go, go back home. Um, so there's a little bit more there. Mm. Once again, it's not all that much. I kind of get why it was cut. Um, there's the very infamous bits where when Reed is talking with Sue um, and he goes, oh, I thought you wanted a stronger man. And in the theatrical cut, he kind of makes his chin bigger. Yeah. Um, there's an alternate version where he just turns into Wolverine. Hmm. Like it's just Hugh Jackman's face with the Wolverine hair and it looks real bad. That's weird. Yeah. Look then at that also up. Grow his facial hair. Look that okay. up if you want to be horrified, um, because it's 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 weird. Um, and then there's a bit where Sue is reading like a bunch of mail that they keep getting, and she's like, "Oh, like people are asking us to help them with their problems," and it's supposed to be like, "Oh, they're gonna do a superhero thing," and I kind of wish that had stayed in the movie. Um, is does it have a? This movie doesn't have a Stan Lee cameo, does it? Yeah, it does. He's a delivery man at the. Okay, the, yeah, yeah. So is he? Is the, he Willie? The place where they're working. Yeah, he's Willie Lumpkin. Okay, okay. I, I guess I must have missed that part, um, but I I couldn't remember if that was the case. Okay, is it? Is that does does he deliver mail into the deleted scene, or is that just a? Well, that's upsetting. Yeah, that's that that's that's all we get of him, unfortunately. Okay. Um, yeah, like I said, the deleted scenes, like some of it, I kind of wish was there because it's a little bit more character work, but at the same time, it's not really enough to to kind sure. of save it um but yeah i just thought that was interesting to point out because i knew there was an extended version out there i'd never actually seen it so i just kind of hunted down the deleted scenes um they're compiled on youtube once again for for those of you who are curious um i did want to touch on john ottman's score um once again ottman comes through for me mm. i really love the fantastic four theme in this I think it's really, really exciting and hopeful and energetic. And like when it kicks in, when 
Johnny is flying around with that missile chasing him. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's just like straight up fun, super heroics on, on screen. Um, and John Ottman does really good superhero scores. Shocker. I like it. <laughs> I agree. Pretty good. What, what are y'all grading it? Because I'm not sure yet. Oh, like B plus. <laughs> uh, I have not. I can't even like. Yeah. There's a lot of different parts of this movie to evaluate. I'm at like C minus feels too high. D plus seems too low. That's where I'm at right now. I think I'm going to give it a flat C. Okay. I think for me, this is when I think of just generic superhero movie this is one of the first ones that comes to mind like i said it feels like an extended tv pilot it feels like you know we've got the money shots we've got the big references it's clobbering time yada 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 but at the same time it's just structured very not poorly but it's just like it's not ideal the way that it's structured and i kind of wish they just bypassed the origin altogether there's some really wonderful performances there's some not so wonderful performances I didn't really touch on Jessica Alba that much. I think it's more for me that her a lot of her delivery is flat. And I can get into, apparently she had kind of trouble working with Tim's story. And I think that's more to do with the second film. Um, but that could explain some of the kind of stilted dialogue or delivery that she has. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's just such a wonderful chemistry with some of the other actors that she's just not a part of and i want her to be i want i want this group I, I want this group of four characters to interact really well together um and then yeah yeah i mean i, I don't know i feel like uh chickless and evans they work very very well together and i'm not sure anybody else works with either I, of them i think chickless and well. griffith work well re- together yeah I like I like a lot of their scenes together. I guess I'm, I'm <laughs> particularly the like... scene the scene towards the beginning where they're watching Johnny riding towards the the space shuttle launch and he's just kissing the girl and they're they're like driving along together and Chickless's whole rant about <laughs> he crashed a flight simulator <laughs> is very good. Yes, uh, I guess for me it's more like Evans and Griffith do not. Like, they, there's not even really a whole lot on the page. They just kept a scene where people are it's, just standing around. Yeah, like, I feel like that is, like... That's probably where a lot of my thing with both of them comes from, is that, like, that's where, like, some of the tension in the group... Ha- because, obviously, like, Human Torch and the Thing are always bickering with each other. But in terms of actual, like, hey, we need to, like, get serious about this, a lot of the tension, I feel like, is comes through Reed and johnny storm because then reed's trying to kind of impose order and get everyone on the same page because there's important science things to do or whatever or you know johnny is uncomfortable with him uh dating sue and like there's a little bit of that there like it it feels like they don't really have much of an impact on each other or think about each other all that much and that that feels like we're missing that component that link so i don't know i think i'm gonna go c minus i think uh that that feels about right to me there's some in terms of adaptation i think a lot of things work and don't work and kind of cancel out um and just leaves you with a uh slightly below middling 
movie. Yeah, I can go see minus as well. Like I just I don't hate it, and there's some stuff in it that works, and I I wouldn't rush to watch it again, but I would watch it again. Yeah. If they had put in either uh, Doom Bots or Melvin Doom, would have gone up a letter grade. <laughs> You'd be set. It'd be your favorite movie of 2005. <laughs> That's true. Take that, Capote. Um. <laughs> uh so I. Speaking of movies that, whatever, I don't know how to transition to this because <laughs> I watch cinema um, and I'm going to talk about it. My recommendation this week, I uh, did not watch either of the films I suggested I might watch last week. I have not gotten to Bullet Train or m 3 yet. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, mm-hmm. I watched a Japanese movie from 1990 uh, that I'd seen a long time ago and I suddenly went back, decided to go back to it. And that is Akira Kurosawa's Dreams. That is the full title. Um, this is an anthology movie that Kurosawa made. And I think people, it was one of his last movies. It was a, it was a very late career thing from him. And it's, it's a series of vignettes based, I believe on actual dreams that he had had, he's had, or he had, and also like Japanese folklore and stuff. And, uh, cause I saw, we got the criterion edition at the library where I work. And so I grabbed it and there's this really interesting essay in there by, I want to say Bilga Ebery is how you say the name. I might be wrong. Um, and I was reading about it and I didn't realize like apparently Spielberg helped to get it financed. Um, George Lucas got like ILM to do effects for it. And it's not like a super effects heavy movie, but it's more like background stuff, but there are effects in it and they look pretty good. Um, and it's, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, Kurosawa is obviously one of the greatest directors ever. And he made all these like, not literal action movies, but very like intense movies with combat and these like frenzied leads and this is a much gentler movie uh it is very haunting like most of the vignettes are very haunting in some way and a lot of them have there's a character just called i who is the stand-in for kurosawa as a child or a young man or as an adult and so you'll see some recurring like that actor will recur or those actors will recur through some of the vignettes um but they're all different stories like the opener is a little boy who witnesses a fox wedding processional in a forest um and and because the movie is set it's all dreams. And there's literally just this, this title card in between each one that says, I had another dream and then you'll start the next dream. It kind of allows it to be more metaphorical. There's a lot of like no theater masks and like pantomime and leaps that work. Cause it's a dream. <laughs> it's not supposed to be literal. Um, but there's a really moving one called the tunnel um, about a soldier kind of confronting uh, the lost members of his platoon uh, there's a re- the, the closing one I, I won't describe, but it's really, really beautiful. The whole movie is just visually stunning to look at. It's a gorgeous, I mean, every Kurosawa obviously makes great looking movies, but the restoration on it is really beautiful. It's very lush. Um, there is a, a vignette, I believe it's called Crows, where uh, the eye, the Kurosawa stand in, goes into a Van Gogh painting and just like they design everything to look like a Van Gogh painting, both in terms of how it's set up, but also they actually paint it to a degree in some places. And he does meet Van Gogh and Van Gogh is played by Martin Scorsese. <laughs> and it's great. Okay. okay. It's just great. <laughs> and the opening of that conversation, the guy says, excuse me, are you Van Gogh? And Scorsese goes, eh. <laughs> like the most like <laughs> apathetic, aloof, like whatever. It's great. 
So if you ever want to see Martin Scorsese play Vincent Van Gogh, this is your movie. Um, <laughs> but I really liked it. I, I don't know where anyone should start, quote unquote, with Kurosawa. I don't think you have to have seen his other movies to get it, but it is very different from his other movies, but in a really neat way. I think it's just him drawing on a different part of himself to to make a movie. Um, and I really just can't speak highly enough of how good it looks and how moving some of the vignettes are. Because it's an anthology, there's... None of them are bad, but, you know, some are going to work better than others. Um, but really, from the tunnel on, it just is is really, really wonderful. So I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, maybe on Max, but um, if you can find it, check it out. It's called Akira Kurosawa's Dreams. So. Cinema. I read a thing. Oh, go on. I was feeling a Marvel kick, so I read Spider-Man Blue. Okay. By Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, who did uh, Batman Long Halloween and many other collaborations. Um, Basically, the pitch is Peter in the future, long after Gwen Stacy has passed, is making these audio recordings where he is talking to Gwen and kind of... uh, regaling her and the audience with the tale of how he fell in love with her and how they started dating and the love triangle with the two of them and Mary Jane and then how he was dealing with supervillain shenanigans all the while. Um, it's really, really good. And it was kind of... Having seen the Spider-Man movies basically go big, just like get crazy with the scope, mm-hmm. it was nice to just have like a smaller, intimate story of just, yeah, there's crazy supervillain stuff that he's got to stop. But it's really the, the bulk of it is about the, you know, the soap opera of it all. And that's what I really kind of gravitated towards. Um, it's really neat and it's beautifully drawn. Um, normally I'm not the biggest fan of Tim Sale's art. Um, I feel like he kind of, I, I just don't like how, how big and crazy some of his characters look like, go look at his Joker. Just look at that, that face and that chin and that mouth. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Um, but I really like incredible, but go on. <laughs> it, I, it is incredible. I'll give it that. Um, but I, I really liked the art style and kind of how it was able to, feel very distinct but it also felt very much of the 60s like it it rides that line really well um i don't know it was just a really nice one-off story and i wish they would take it as inspiration for some of the the films or you know whatever else is in store for spider-man maybe maybe implement that into craven is it too late to implement craven (laughs) yeah uh or venom three i've I feel like that definitely, like, you can see where the idea behind, like, oh, we're going to make the Amazing Spider-Man movies, and they're going to be yes, chill you, and quiet. Yeah. And then, like, those immediately go off the deep end. Like It feels very much like what we were all told the Amazing Spider-Man yeah. was going to be in the first place. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever read any of the original Stanley Steve Ditko stuff? I don't think so. I feel like at some point you could go revisit that and see if that scratches your itch because I, that it, it really is like it's all soap opera and there's you know villains of the week who kind of recur which is always need for that time period because sometimes you do just get villains of the week with no connection whatsoever and definitely those like have more of a developing 
cast and like it's it's very attentive to like the last time the vulture showed up what was he up to now what's he up to now um so like yeah i i think that is that is like the heart of those spider-man stories in a way that i really would like to see them get back to with the apparent reset that we are getting with the next spider-man movie but we will see um i don't really have anything i'm like in the middle of reading some stuff and not really watching anything but might i might watch some things we'll see the only thing i've watched like I think, bullet train yeah the only thing i've watched i think uh since the last podcast outside of uh the fantastic four movie that we just reviewed is uh is the host <laughs> my wife wanted to watch it uh i'm assuming the, this is the one with sersha not the bong joon ho movie yes the stephanie okay. meyer movie with okay. uh sars renan um <laughs> Uh-huh. Which uh, which I I am uh, Ian I don't... Ruffles, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sars Sar- running and Ian Ruffles, <laughs> my favorite actors. Um, which I I'm frankly shocked, uh, Britain, that you have not forced us to review as an addendum to the Twilight. It is uh, the only Sarsha Ronan movie I have started and not finished. Okay, okay, That's which right. says something because she is canonically my favorite actor. I mean, honestly, it's probably better than several of the Twilight movies. But... <laughs> okay. I will, I will give it that. A- a- anything is better than Eclipse. Yeah. Except for Godzilla. Yeah. Also, Ishiro Honda, who directed the original Gojira, helped Kurosawa make. Um, he was a creative consultant on Akira Kurosawa's. Career. I really thought that was going towards the host. In some way. It's like, <laughs> where? He, he told, guess... on, on his deathbed, he told Stephanie Meyer about a crazy alien <laughs> idea he had. <laughs> I guess I should clarify, when I say Godzilla, I mean the Roland Emmerich Godzilla. Yes. I oh, yeah, we, no. Which is, canonically, the worst movie I've ever seen. Go on, Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty much it. <laughs> I, am, I am playing a bit of a game called Spiritfarer, which I don't remember if I ever uh, recommended for the podcast, but it's a, it's a cute game that's very, like, relaxed and, like, you're, you're helping souls kind of gain catharsis so they can go on to the, the great beyond, but it's in a very, like, very... Uh, kind of gentle and uh empathetic way um that's quite it's quite a nice game and has a lot of like fun little mini games and collections and things to do um so maybe that that's a game i played before that i can say i do i do think it's pretty neat but i don't really have any strong like yeah things to hit home with uh i am (laughs) on the opposite side of gentle maybe not the opposite side of empathetic i am in the middle of Alan Moore's recent short story collection, uh, which we'll see if I've finished it ne- this time next week, in which case I will probably recommend it, but it is, it is a, it's a whole thing. It's a whole experience. <laughs> it's, it's a hoot and a half. It is sure a hoot and a hole. Well, between that and the last <laughs> of us premiering, I'm sure you'll have something to talk about. That's true. That's true. We do have the last of us coming out. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't know much about the silver surfer. I don't know much about Rising. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even really know what a movie is, but I mm-hmm. guess we'll get to find out a little bit more all that uh, next week. Or an Ian Ruffle. Yeah, I still don't really get what a what a Finbar <laughs> Gruffalo is. But uh, if you want to find out how that how that goes, uh, you can find us online at herecomesequels.blogspot.com. We're on Twitter at sequels. You can email us at herecomesequels at gmail.com. Uh, still have not received any memes. 
Uh, I'm continuing to send the call out. Yeah, come on, guys. Give us your memes. Uh, I will describe them. I don't understand why people are not clamoring for us to revisit this segment. <laughs> um, other than that, get like and like and subscribe. Um, Rate and review. Five and star. Pod and cast. I agree. <laughs> if, if if there are any Melvin Doom memes, I Melvin I'll, and Doom, I, I'll I'll read them <laughs> and just laugh and laugh and laugh, or I'll just keep just them for to your myself. own. Pers- yeah, I was gonna say just for your own personal enjoyment. Yeah, <laughs> you know sometimes sometimes if you're feeling down, you just sit a long day at the office and you just you're just tired and got to still got to do chores and whatever. Sometimes you just gotta pull out your phone. What kind of go, Melvin go, do? Pull up iFunny. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did it, guys. We did we, it. We did it. Again. <laughs> Goodbye. I've been <laughs> Alex. <laughs> uh, I've been Britain. Um, I'm... <laughs> I... I, uh... I've... <laughs> I looked up. So I looked up. I looked up Melvin Do meme. Okay. And there, there's a lot of memes that are like kind of describing the joke behind Melvin Do. Sure. Like it's just kind of like expanding on that. There's a joke it's... behind it. Yeah, like well, like they're trying. It's like uh, people saying like, "Oh, Melvin Do is the most important character," and like really like go, oh, okay. really going overboard on trying to like sell that. Um, and like people are like trying to make jokes about the meme format. Uh, and like the, there's one that's like the, the, the fast bender thing where it's like, I, I need to see the real Mr. Do, no, the real Mr. Do. And it's Melvin ah. Do is the last one. It's a good one. But the, <laughs> there's one that I'm really still like, it's, it's not <laughs> trying to parse through it. <laughs> um, and it says, uh, time traveler, is this the Roman empire? And then it says, Holy Roman Emperor, did you mean Melvin Roman Empire? <laughs> and I don't. That is so stupid. <laughs> <I'm> really... <laughs> That's not where my brain would go. If you're if you're working with a format like this, I don't Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what... how that comes up as as your first bright idea for it. Um <laughs> James Gunn owes us money now. Because <laughs> I we're agree. Bringing this back. Uh, um, <laughs> I've been Tyler. <laughs> you, you've you've been having a good night, unless you're James Gunn, in which case, send us the money, and no one gets hurt. Yeah, you and Griffith. Great. Now we all know, and we can say it well. And it's Jessica um, Elvie is actually <laughs> how you say her name. Yes. And that's why I'm going to punch Jonathan Hickman. But anyway. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'm not that east of west. That's why I'm going to <laughs> to backhand Chris Claremont. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> you do it back. <laughs> 
That's why I'm going to scissor kick Kieran Gillen. <laughs> also, also, Kieran Gillen. Kieran Gillen. Do we have an, an entry point? I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. You mean uh, Tyler suplexing James Tinian <laughs> before? <laughs> no. Uh, what were we talking about with you, Tamara Morrison. <laughs> 